While it may be cold outside, things are getting toasty warm at Global Voice Broadcasting. Heat up your winter nights with the hottest topics, the hottest celebrities, and today's best music. It's why Global Voice Broadcasting is becoming your 24-7 home for the music and talk you want right now. Discover your favorite shows and music anytime at globalvoicebroadcasting.com. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin. A spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. A study conducted in Britain recently involving hundreds of women and men found that, quote, creative types averaged a lot more partners and sexual impulses and experiences than less creative people. The lead researcher concluded, among other things, that creative types, as he said, and their lifestyles attract all of this sexy wonder. But you know what I think? I think we are all creative and sexual beings and that connecting with one aspect of our life brightens the other and vice versa. It's this beautiful swirl. I have a seriously groovy expert on the line today to explore this and much more. Sandra Lamarghese is an expert in bridging the gap between sexuality and a lifestyle that focuses on holistic health of the mind, body, and spirit. She's an author of Switch, Time for a Change, and Five Steps to Better Communication, Sex, and Happiness, a featured Huffington Post blogger, a podcast host, an award-winning motivational speaker, a sexpert, a metaphysician, a holistic practitioner, an ordained reverend, and was listed as having the, quote, coolest job in NYC by Thrillist in um, New York City. Sandra has been featured as an expert on The Howard Stern Show, Dr. Oz, Forbes, and all kinds of other mediums. And we are so lucky to have her joining us. Thanks for being here, Sandra. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you. Well, um, thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm excited, too. This is a wonderful topic, and I'm really fascinated by your own story as well. I've been reading more about you, and I know you have another book that's going to be coming out uh, sometime soon. Your personal journey to becoming the expert in sexuality and and all of these other wonderful hats that you wear is really interesting. And I know you Mm -hmm. became a dominatrix later in life, and that allowed you to change uh, previously blind adherence to what you called the, quote, rules. Could you mm-hmm. speak to that? Yes. Um, I started, well, I was introduced to the fetish world and BDSM at 55 years old. And I had been doing uh, work in tantric sex and and exploring the transmutation of sexual energy and once I once I actually became a dominatrix as my career, it, it's it allowed me to open up to other possibilities and start to realize that women are so suppressed of their self expression. So once I started to play the role of the dominatrix, it started to trickle out into other areas of my life. As far as money goes, you know, how I work with boundaries, uh, my self-esteem, female empowerment, you know, and really how women should behave. Mm. Like we don't we don't really have to be nice all the time. We, we know we can we can be more assertive 
You know, I grew up wearing clear, you know, fingernail polish because women were supposed to be sweet and, and kind. But those are all rules that society puts on us. And once I once I got into a dominant role and started using masculine energy, all those rules just faded away. I love that. I love that. And it's so true. I think one of the reasons that the tagline for this show is good girls where good girls go for sexual empowerment is because there's that strange sort of polarization where we can't be good and enjoy sex or we can't be good and you know have these adventures so I, I'm so impressed and I love that you're sharing this this story with others in, in your upcoming memoir what is being a dominatrix like kind of in a nutshell I know you said that it give, gave you a sense of empowerment what actually mm-hmm. were, were you doing or do you still do in that career um Honestly, it's a it's a power and energy exchange. People get the wrong impression of a dominatrix, but I always break it down to the down for people. So it's dominate tracks. So the job is really about dominating someone and really using all that power and energy um, to to um, control someone else willingly. Right, because some, uh, many people actually fantasize about that wanting to be controlled, which is a fantasy, I think, for men and women, for sure. Many, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's really interesting. And you said it really impacted your own life. Could you speak a little bit more about that? And in particular, how has it influenced you, you creatively? Oh, it, it completely influenced my creativity. It raised my creativity up on a whole different level because once I started to feel more confident and started not worrying so much about what other people thought about how I was living my life, then it started to eliminate fear. It started to eliminate um, uh, guilt and shame and anxiety about my self-expression. And then once I then once I was free, then I could actually step into creativity with no blockage. Mm. Like we block ourselves, you know, we think, well, I mean, for me to walk into a BDSM dungeon at 55 years old with no experience, you would have thought no way. And so did I. So when I took started taking more risks and started stepping out there, the fear started to go away. And the only way we can be creative is if we free ourselves from all those preconceived notions of like what other people think or how do I look and I'm supposed to act this way or that way. Absolutely. Do you notice that there are certain challenges that are common among women? I know that we all have our own kind of things we need to work on and obstacles along the way. But what do you see as kind of common themes that women are struggling with in these areas? Well, women are still suppressed sexually. You know that. Um, We we still have a lot of guilt and shame revolved around our sexuality and our expression of sexuality. Um, And so, every since everything everything has a vibration and a and an energy level to it, those feelings have a vibration and energy to them also. So the more shame and guilt and anxiety that women have about expressing their their sexuality, the less creative they're going to be. Mm. They're just not going to be able to rise themselves up into that into that stratosphere where they want to be. Sure, that makes so much sense, and I know that in my personal life, there's no way I couldn't even fathom 
the creative dreams and work that I do and pursue now until mm. I really stepped into my own sexuality and, and learned to embrace it and the more that I have and the deeper that I've gone in that and it's amazing because then you have this passion and curiosity for life and that same passion and curiosity then also fuels desire sexually and otherwise so it's mm-hmm. this wonderful thing and I think it's a catch-22 also because as you said one thing if there's a challenge on one side there could be one on another uh, what tips would you offer for somebody who perhaps is thinking, you know, I would love to get unblocked in these ways and it sounds lovely. I don't perhaps have the inclination or maybe the courage to jump out there and maybe try something uh, like being a dominatrix or BDSM or or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what what can we take? What kind of smaller steps could we take? Well, I, I, I always recommend to all my clients to take baby steps. So every, every time you try something new, you know, especially sexually, or, uh, or creativity, um, there's a lot of insecurity. But every time we take one step, then we can build off the confidence of that step and keep moving forward and forward and forward. And the first step that I always recommend is start to be conscious of your thoughts and your feelings and your beliefs. Because our brain is a big computer and it has all these folders in it. And every time we try and do something, a folder will open, you know, and, it, and then we create this blockage. So what I do is I, I say to my clients, you know, especially women, when that happens and you and you start to be conscious of your thoughts blocking, like, oh, my God, I can't do that and I shouldn't do that. Like, is that you saying that or is that something someone else told you? Whether it be parents or society or the or religion or or your best friend or anyone, your boyfriend, your husband, your girlfriend, you know, where did that come from? And is that what you really want? And then I think once you start being conscious, you have to become conscious first. And once you can become conscious, then you can ignore and rid those blocks from your life. Mm. Like you did. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And it's interesting because those epiphanies come. A lot of people I hear questions about how do you find your passion? How do you find the creative things that you really want to do? And I think they kind of find us when we are really Mm. in tune with ourselves. And sometimes we don't even know how much shame we carry. I know I didn't for, for many, many years. So that awareness seems really, really key. I love that. Um, blocks aside, what are some other ways that we can really maximize connectedness or use of that sexual energy? Oh, you can use that. Well, sexual energy is the highest form of any type of energy, even above love and or music, for example. So when you're, when you Think about when you're texting with your boyfriend or your partner or you're, you're talking, you know, dirty or, you know, whatever it is that you love to do. Think about how that feels. That is creative energy. So once you can tap into that creative creativity and that energy, then you, that's when you should start doing what you want to do. Make that phone call to, to the guy you want to hire you for a job or, you know, start creating something, start writing your book, start creating your music, start doing whatever it is passion that you love. That's when you should tap into it. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. I, I 
think what I hear you saying is, you know, whenever you have those those nudges, those sort of instinctual curiosity or desire to try something to really, you know, step into that and go for it and, you know, not to um, overthink it either. I think sometimes we talk ourselves mm. out of these, you know, especially women, but I think in general, we don't take our creativity seriously sometimes or our sexuality very seriously. And it's a form of self-care that I think falls to the, to the wayside for sure. Have you found ways to, it sounds like you live very fully and have, you know, make time for these kinds of things, but I do hear from a lot of women, I don't have time, whether it's for sex or for creativity. What do you say to that? Mm -hmm. Well, creativity is happening happening constantly. Everything is changing constantly, every second, every moment of the day. So we can always tap into our creativity and be open to it. And it's usually that little voice, like you said. You hear this little voice in your head, and, you, and it says, do this. That's, that's divine intervention. That's the divine telling us, yeah, take action. And so there's really – it's almost easier if you just – the universe is a feeling universe. So it's almost as like, don't, like you said, get out of your head, stop thinking, and just feel. So there really isn't a time frame, I don't think, for you to prepare or to get creative. I think you just allow it to happen. Sure. Open I mean, the you, door. You just have to allow, allow the, the creativity to happen and be brought to you, like you said. Like, Things happen to us when we're open and we're honest with ourselves and we're living authentically and we're happy. Those things get drawn to us automatically. You don't even have to work at it. Yeah. It just happens. Yeah, I see that. Absolutely, for sure. It sounds like your journey has been, I think a lot of people can relate to that repression, suppression, unfortunately, and the shame, and then your awakening opened you up to so much empowerment. When you look back at yourself as a young girl who's just beginning to discover her sexuality, what do you wish you could say to her? Oh, well, to, to own it, to, to embrace it. You know, as sexuality as a young girl, I mean, I, I really had no experience and I had a lot of shame around sexuality or even expressing myself sexually or sec like being sexy. And yeah, it was really difficult. And how has the empowerment then affected your sense of self? Obviously, it's been an empowering experience, but when it comes to your body and yourself now, how, how different is that? Oh, 100% changed. 100% changed. I mean, even going into um, being a dominatrix and a fetishist, my first thoughts were, you know, I'm not young enough. I'm not thin enough. I, you know, I don't have a perfect figure. How, why would anyone want to, um, to session with me? I just couldn't even believe it. But I found the opposite was true. That, yeah, there's something for everyone. And if, if you're confident and you embrace who you are, all of that doesn't even matter. Like your size or, you know, what you look like. It's how you make people feel and how you're feeling. So my body image completely changed. I no longer feel like I have to be a size four to be attractive. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I honestly tested it a few times in sessions. Like I wore something um, a little bit more revealing 
just to see what a response would be from my client. And when a client, and when I'm when I'm doing this, and a client walks in the room, and the first thing he says to me is, "Oh my God, you have such a beautiful body." I'm like, "Wow." Mm-hmm. They're all wrong. You know, the media is wrong. Yeah. Like they're all trying to sell us something so they can fix us. They have to tell us there's something wrong with us so they can sell us something to fix us. Yeah. You know, and there's nothing wrong with any of us. We're all perfect just the way we are. That is so true. That is so true. And I love what you said about realizing that that didn't matter these these specifics that we try to shrink ourselves down to or be sexy or sexual in a certain type of way and it's so interesting because I went through a a really severe eating disorder which kind of led into this this work and people ask me often you know how do you feel about your body now do you still struggle do you still feel like you have to look a certain way and the beauty of it is when you recover that not just working on the body image actually wasn't what worked what worked was learning to fully embrace myself and Mm. step into my sexuality and embrace all of it and then what you realize is all that other stuff didn't matter and underneath it all there are all these deeper issues and it was all that shame and the stigma Mm. and that stuff falls away and I find that not only do I not care so much you know we all have an occasional moment where we're like oh that's not the greatest picture whatever but but in general I don't I really don't think about it much there are you know I don't fixate on it and the beautiful thing too is then you judge other people less too have you found that oh absolutely Yes, absolutely. I mean, I really had, I did a couple of things this year that were really crazy. Um, I went to a nude beach for the first time. And I never could allow myself to be that vulnerable to, you know, to actually be nude in front of strangers or anyone, you know, out in public. Because, you know, we always try to pretend like we're perfect. Um, And it was very, very empowering. And then I went to nude yoga, which really did the trick. Um, and that, I found that once I was in the room, you know, practicing nude in front of everyone, and you can imagine yoga, how vulnerable you are in some of these positions being naked. Yeah. Um, I just felt like it had nothing to do with the body, that everyone in the room became the same. Wow. And that no one was judging anyone about their physical appearance. It was so and freeing and empowering. It was unbelievable. And I, you know, I wrote about it and I said that the strangest thing and the most uncomfortable thing for me was putting my clothes back on afterwards. Because then we went into our roles, you know, I, you know, our styles and, or, you know, the, the kind of like the appearance that we put out to the world. Wow. That's fascinating. Where did you write about it? Um, I wrote a blog about it on, on Huffington Post. Oh, that's awesome. um, you could find it on there, and it was just absolutely freeing because it just was so amazing. And believe me, everyone, you know, everybody was different sizes. I mean, it didn't matter. It really didn't matter. That really changed my. That really was the hook for um, owning my my sexuality and just being who I was and letting go of all that body image. Mm. It just didn't, it just hardly matters to me. I mean, like you said, you you still have moments because we're human and, you know, we have this weird ego back in our heads, you know. But basically, I just feel like my body image is the least of my thoughts. 
Yeah. Isn't that freeing? You have all this. Yeah, oh, my God, it's so freeing, especially when you spent <laughs> yeah. your whole life doing yes. it. Oh, yes. You have all this time and energy. You don't realize how much energy that takes to dislike Ugh. yourself until it starts to lift. And it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm born. <laughs> like, I have all this time and thought and capability to put into whatever. And that's when we discover things like. Yeah, and that's her creativity, right? If yeah. I'm so worried about my body image all the time or whatever else is I'm worrying about and my insecurities, then I don't have time to put out my energy for my creativity. Yeah. And that makes people crazy because now I go to yoga, I wear bra tops, you know, sports bras and little hipster mm-hmm. pants and stuff. I don't care. I'm like, I love myself. I love <laughs> and, it. And I'm, and I'm okay just the way I am. I don't ha- I feel like we have, with women, we almost, we feel like I'm not good enough to wear that. I'm not good enough to do that. Like, why don't you just be happy where you are? You're good enough as you are. If you want to wear something, wear it. Yes, yes. If you want to do, if you want to go to a nude beach, go. Absolutely. If you want to express your sexuality and, you know, whatever it is, like you are so perfect the way you are. Mm. That's a beautiful message. I hope everybody, you know, reaches people and makes them think because it really is incredible how much, as you said, pressure we, we put on ourselves and to be able to, to step away from that and then we radiate this energy. I can hear it from you through the through the lines here that it's contagious, and I feel it's like, contagious. Yeah, don't you, you can't you, you have you're drawn to it. You know you you and right now as we're speaking and we're both you know like minds and we're motivated and we're excited. Like we are putting out such energy out into the universe right now. Just by having this conversation, yeah, like like women should be supporting each other and and feeling good about each other and like pep rallies and whatever it is that you do with each other, yes. you know. And then you create. Like I wouldn't be surprised if like see yet tomorrow something really amazing happens to either one of us or anyone listening to this. Yeah, I was just thinking that actually because I've noticed that too that when you do connect with like minded people and celebrate all of this instead of the shunning and the competition and the negativity you just never know what what will come from that it's like we're planting seeds yeah we're planting seeds and we're draw like like energy draws like energy so if you're depressed and you're feeling bad and you're feeling bad about your sexuality and who you are and your body image and and all that stuff like you're just drawing more of that right towards you Mm. but when you're open and you're honest and you're authentic and you're happy and you're just celebrating life all that comes drawn drawn to you also yes and you're i mean that like you and i or anyone on this call should get off when we're finished go do something creative because that that's when you're really going to excel Yes. When you're in that enthusiasm and that creative energy. And sexuality brings you up the highest form. Could you imagine? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, You know, yeah. I went through menopause with no, no symptoms. Are you serious? I swear, I went through menopause with no symptoms because the, just the increase of serotonin, like through me being a dominatrix and doing all this sexual work, um, my serotonin is so increased that it diminished all my my menopausal symptoms. Wow, I may have to keep that in my back pocket. <laughs> yeah, and I and I do tell people like you don't even understand how our sexuality and our and our sexual being is so healing. 
like on every single level, yeah. like our mind, our spirit, our emotions, I mean, our health, like everything. All the, Right now, all these endorphins are running through our body and making our immune system healthier. Now, what could be wrong with that? Right. It's so true. But, yeah. But society wants us to feel shameful about our sexuality so they can control us. Mm-hmm. But if we can grab it and really embrace it and, um, and if, you know, if you want to be a porn star, fine. If you, if you want to be in a monogamous relationship, fine. As long as you feel good about it. Yes. You know, whatever that expression is, don't do something that you're, you don't feel good about. Absolutely. Being open to that, being open to changing it if we're not in a place that, you know, we are fulfilled. And also, don't you think it starts with ourselves? Because I feel like so often women are taught that sex has to be something that we either give or share with somebody, which sharing Mm -hmm. is a beautiful thing when we want to. But I feel like really knowing our own bodies. Did you find that self-stimulation and masturbation are those important keys? They are important keys because you you can let go of the guilt and shame about your sexuality because you're there alone. Mm, yeah. You know, and you really have to be in touch with your own self and your fantasies or what you, you know what you're doing. But you must be and that's called white tantra and you know, you must embrace self-love first before you could ever let it go out to someone else. Yes. Yes, beautifully said. And, and women do not know their own bodies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, I mean, honestly, I, I mean, being a healthcare practitioner for 20 years and talking to women sexually, they do not even know their own bodies. They are not masturbating. They are not giving themselves pleasure. Like, we have to love ourselves. Very true. Very true. And I remember being in a college class before my kind of, well, it was the beginning of my sexual awakening and having a college professor, we, we did the vagina monologues in our class and she said, do you know that many women don't know where their clitoris is? And I sat there going like, oh, that's terrible. And in my head, I was going, wait a minute, where is it? <laughs> exactly. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And then, you know, we, we were told to go home and do the exercise with the mirror and how many women have never looked there. I mean, oh, yeah. it's incredible. Too much shame. Too much shame. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's really it's, it's really unbelievable how beautiful we all are in every way. And we just constantly looking for something to you know find wrong yeah yeah it's really really sad well i know you're inspiring so many people today and also in the wonderful work that you do i'm sure people are listening thinking they want more i know i do i'm going to race off and find your HuffPo article about naked yoga it sounds awesome can you tell us where we can learn more about you everything that i have all my social media my website everything is sandra lamargese so if you want to find me on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, um, Google+, LinkedIn, my website, everything, is all you'd have to do is Google me, and you, you'll find anything. And I love hearing from people, so please, if I'm, get on my website and send me a message. I would love to hear from you. Fantastic. And I'll make sure to put a, a link in the show notes, too. Thank you for this soul-nourishing conversation. You're such a gift. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, my goodness. It was such a pleasure talking to you and inspiring your listeners and it's just amazing. I, I just love it. It's my life. Beautiful. Well, I'm wishing you all the best. Take care. All right. Thank you. Isn't she awesome? Such a lovely person and with such an important message. Everything that she had to share. And she only shared, obviously, she has all this other expertise and many topics that she explores in her writing. So definitely find her. Google her. Go to my website if you want the show notes for sure. AugustMcLaughlin.com.
So we're back for part two of Dr. Megan Fleming's fantastic interview that we started a couple of weeks back on desire. We're going to take it into sexy self-care today and talk a little bit more about ways to rekindle desire and also some of the intense benefits of doing so that, you know, can seep into all areas of our lives. Dr. Megan, thanks again for being here. Of course. So happy to be here always. You know... I love that you talk about sex as an antidepressant, and I think it's so powerful as that. How potent is sex as far as lifting our moods? Well, I think it's important to recognize that sex and orgasm in particular, there's sort of a whole hormonal component. Um, It releases both dopamine, which is sort of pleasure, as well as oxytocin, which is sort of the attachment or the cuddle hormone. And so it's really, I mean, I think we're wired for connection from the cradle to the grave. And so sex in particular um, has its benefits, but even just touch and connection. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's something that we don't have a lot in our daily lives anymore, you know, is that that physical touch. And um, I know that I read some study, I can't remember how many hugs a day it was, but even things like like hugs and physical touch have a a pretty powerful, powerful impact. It's one of those catch 22 sometimes, too, because I know that sometimes depressive moods can keep you from having desire to get those benefits. So what do you do when that comes up as a roadblock? Well, I think, first of all, it's important to recognize that you just said that, that one of the um, criteria for a diagnosis of depression is loss of libido. So it's to recognize sometimes that loss of libido isn't because of hormones. It's not because of what's going on in the relationship. It's because of you're depressed. So um, it's not to pathologize that or to catastrophize that. Um, but I think it's to just get really curious when your libido is, you know, sort of thinking what what is happening because when and if you're feeling depressed it's first and foremost to recognize it's absolutely a treatable um, diagnosis and disease and so and it's also to recognize that sometimes um, you know just that sort of that dysphoria of not feeling content in your life there are many ways that we can um, in a sense energetically or just sort of not creating and prioritizing experiences that are, quote-unquote, that reset to change our physiology so that we can be receptive, allow, and embrace pleasure by ourselves and with our partners. Mm, I love that. I love that. With ourselves and our partners, it's so important to, to nurture that. As a, Do you, do you see uh, masturbation and even connecting with a partner sexually as a form of self-care? Absolutely. Um, you know, you had Royland on at some point, and I think we both are in cahoots with the idea of an orgasm a day. <laughs> like a do- an apple a day keeps yeah. the doctor away. <laughs> I think that, um, you know, I'm married 15 years, and, you know, the likelihood that time and energy, we can have sex with that frequency doesn't happen. Um, but I personally, I really feel the physiological benefits, just like getting good cardio and eating well and getting good sleep. So, And the science is really clear, you know, in terms of stress, intention in our bodies and the impact that it has. So I think connecting with your own sexuality, and that's also part of what I call keeping your inner sexual pilot light on, right? Like, for reasons that make sense, you don't have the opportunity with your partner or things are going on, but it's really just being connected with yourself and your body in a very physical way that, um, you know, receiving and giving yourself pleasure, I think is huge. Absolutely. And it's interesting, too, because I think self-care in general, for some reason, we, we think of self-care, we think, 
take a bubble bath or, you know, take a day off work and whatnot. And even those things can be hard for a lot of people, especially, I think women especially, or women who have children or just have a lot of obligations. And stress comes up as a big, I know, libido blocker and stands in the way of, of desire and, and healthy sexual relationships for so many people. And you talk in your workbook about sex being a stress reliever, which I love. And again, it's one of those catch-22s or can be. So when stress is the thing that's standing in the way of your desire, what are steps you take to, you know, improve that? Well, I think first and importantly, as you just said, that absolutely stress is probably the number one killer of libido, um, even over relationship and all other kind of, you know, issues that can be fairly common. Um, and in our modern day life, I mean, where are we not already feeling, you know, plugged in and, you know, the to-do list is too long. And so I think in part it's just to recognize the impact of stress and to sort of look that squarely on to be like, okay, what can I do to minimize that? That being said, on a physiological level, you know, when people come to my office, I'm like, you know, if you masturbate or sex, like, what does it help you to feel, right? It can be both pleasure-seeking, tension-relieving, to get to sleep, <laughs> to recognize whether you cardio or whether you masturbate to orgasm, in and of itself, physiologically, that can reduce uh, tension in your body. Mm, absolutely. And you also talk in your book about unlocking your erotic potential, which I I love that phrase. I don't think I've heard it in such a way before. Would you speak to what that means? Yeah, I mean, unlocking erotic potential is because, you know what I see for so many women, especially women who are like, eh, if I never had sex again, I'm totally cool with that. I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know that you've ever felt it. You've ever gotten it. You've ever allowed it, right? And and there's many reasons uh, psychologically and physiologically that that might be the case. But I think it's just to recognize that empowerment and, again, that embraceable idea of, like, again, a God-given right to feel pleasure in your body. So... Uh, how do you own and awaken uh, your erotic and just your potential to feel pleasure because the rewards of that is great and the cost opportunity of not prioritizing it, taking the time, um, you know, making a commitment to actions to, to shift it and turn it around, to me is huge. And what do you wish that all women knew about their bodies sexually? That's like a huge question. What's one thing you wish that all women knew? You know, obviously the pleasure potential is a big one, but what's one that you see missing that you wish you could kind of instill? Well, I mean, I think you really hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's it's that we're wired, I think, both for connection and pleasure. And pleasure... Um, I mean, I grew up Catholic, right? So it's important to recognize some people got really negative views or actually I hadn't realized uh, that in the catechism of the Catholic Church that technically, you know, it's you're not allowed, right, to masturbate. So first I want to, like, help people undo any guilt or shame or uh, inhibiting messages they may have had in childhood or otherwise um, to just embrace the fact that I think we're wired for not just connection but pleasure, pleasure in your own body, knowing what turns you on, um, allowing yourself the time and the space to explore that. And, you know, I think... Is a, it's just really so much a part of our feeling fully present, alive. Because um, otherwise, we're, I, so, many, so often I see people just really asleep to the switch. Yeah, absolutely. 
And why do you think that people aren't aware of their own pleasure? I know you mentioned a couple of biggies. Like for me, as you know from from Embraceable, that I I didn't even know I had shame around my sexuality or not masturbating for decades because it was just sort of so ingrained in me so early that I had no idea that it was something that I had really carried through even in other sexual relationships, just that it was seen as this dirty, sinful, horrendous thing. Um, What are some of the other factors that keep women from really experiencing that wonderful pleasure? Well, I mean, I I think, again, you're sort of reinforcing what we know, again, all those inhibiting factors in childhood from religion to messages we got to, um, you know, sort of, you know, what's a good girl and, and sort of what's expected in terms of us in relationship. But I also think sometimes, unfortunately, it's negative sexual encounters or experiences. It might even be a bad first gynecological visit. Um, I think, unfortunately, there's so many ways in which we can be shamed or guilted um, to even, as you said, unconsciously not being aware of how we've been conditioned to just think, eh, that's not for me, or you know that there that's you know that there's something negative or um, about a woman who embraces her sexuality. And so I think the first step is really to get really conscious about what do you think about sexuality and pleasure? How did you come up with those ideas and thoughts? And you know, does that really work or fit for you right now in this moment and where you are in your life? And one way to do that is, you know, to really commit to a personal journey and to commit to doing the work. And I know there's just a few more days to get the wonderful discount, the 30% discount you're offering on your program. And we've been talking about it over the last uh, few weeks here, but could you just recap briefly for anyone who's listening or hearing about it for the first time? Could you tell us what are you're offering and what Girl Boner listeners can get out of it? Sure. I mean, I, I guess I want to just, first of all, let women know and men, because, you know, um, <laughs> Lilibido isn't just uh, for women because, you know, men are sort of uh, have to be like the postman and delivered any kind of weather. And I've certainly worked with men uh, for many reasons, uh, testosterone, stress, et cetera. They themselves also can be impacted by a little libido. So I want to make that caveat. But what the, this is, is it's 60-minute audio, um, which is immediately downloadable, you know, at your convenience, and a 24-page workbook. And it's really just helping you identify for yourself those personal blocks and also next steps because I think that, um, anyway, the, hopefully experientially the content and the information becomes that big wake-up call and that aha to recognize, whoa, wow, even though I feel so stuck or hopeless in this place, it doesn't, continue, it doesn't need to continue to look this way or feel this way. Perfect. So they go to your website, greatlifegreatsex.com, and I know you have the workshop available, and they get it all by registering, and you said it's greatlifegreatsex.com slash girlboner? Yeah, forward slash girlboner, because if you to, to get the discount, I'm not so technologically savvy, but to get the discount, um, I create the page, so greatlifegreatsex.com forward slash girlboner, and that will take you to the landing page that gives you the 30% discount. And I want to also just let everybody know that because um, it's not an opportunity to work with me live, and that's one of my favorite things to do, that I'm going to be offering um, sort of two weeks after Valentine's Day an opportunity to do a live Q&A call. So um, to me, that's part of um, not only just adding value, but importantly, just giving you an opportunity to 
ask personally your questions because I think individualized sort of attention and speaking to your individual needs can um, really make the difference. Beautiful. It's such a generous offer. I hope you guys all sign up. For more illustrations of living a sexually empowered life and the hard and worthy work it takes many of us to get there, check out my book, Embraceable, Empowering Facts and True Stories About Women's Sexuality, available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. For more Girl Boner Fun and to connect with me personally, again, visit my website, AugustMcLaughlin.com. That's August like the month, M-C-L-A-U-G-H-L-I-N.com. If you're digging Girl Boner, I hope you'll take a few moments to give us a simple rating and review on iTunes. Thanks so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week.